Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 23 of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. How are you guys doing? My name is David, and I'm back from my vegan detox, and we are at full complement, and there's Why are you still so left. fat, mate? <laughs> I think, does veganism mean that you automatically get thin? I thought you'd at least use a few pounds. <laughs> I thought so as well, <laughs> apparently not. All that money wasted. So, you can tell I'm joined by Matt and Alan. How are you, boys? Yeah, good, good, mate. I think this is the most excited I've ever been for the podcast. As long as I can't be bothered, but this week I'm, yeah. I'm raring to go. <laughs> it is massive, and and why is that? You know, just casual under twenties one on Friday. That's yeah, what it was. Under twenties one, the ladies got a fairly close, um, a fairly close result against England. Made it through the beast from the east to be here <laughs> tonight. Beaten the beast from the east. Of course, we're here to talk about Scotland's amazing victory against England in the Calcutta Cup. Um, so thanks again for joining us, guys, um, on Acast or through the iTunes podcast app. Um, you've been chatting to us absolutely loads on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, and we are getting there on Instagram as well, Thistle Understroke Rugby Understroke Pod. And we have had, I think, a record number of reviews this week from uh, from fans. So thanks so much for getting on there onto iTunes, giving us five star reviews. Although there is one four star uh, review. I mean, when we say other stars are optional, we really are not really meaning that. <laughs> Five stars, please, guys. Um, how about this one from La Rubidou? says, great Scottish um, pod. Love the chat, the news, the swearing, and even the quiz. So, Alan, have you got a quiz for us tonight? Uh, I do, and it has got no financial basis to it. That's a real shame. That's that I have been getting a lot of feedback on that. So, but we got one fan. So mm. we did get one fan, uh, which is great. So we're going to get into three thistly issues um, this week. Um, number one, we're going to talk about what were the key areas in Scotland's amazing win against England. Number two, where do we need to improve um, to turn that into a victory against Ireland in two weeks' time in Dublin? And then number three, we're going to ask a question which has triggered Alan the Ouija till he dies. <laughs> Are Edinburgh better than Glasgow? Sounds great. I, I just wanted to do a quick shout-out. That Yeah, just want to say one little thing. Alan and I were at the game, you know, enjoying ourselves. We were on a start to actually so we were out both nights. And we had two fans come up who recognized us and said they loved the work that we were doing. One of them was at the urinal in Fingers, which is a bit weird, but, you know, you take it. I don't remember either encounter. So <laughs> you had gone home by the second encounter, to be fair. You'd lost it. Ah, that well, that's great to see some fans out and about in the wild. If you do see us anywhere in and around Edinburgh, please come up and say hello. Let us know what you think of the podcast, as long as it's nice. You know, if you've got bad things to say, 
stick to your keyboard warrioring um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll deal with you there. Um, right, before we get into those Thistle issues, lads, shall we have a quick look at some news and how about some breaking news? Um, Ryan Wilson has been cleared by the sighting commissioner for his not gouge on um, Nathan Hughes at the weekend. Yeah, because he's got the th- same thing as the guy from Scary Movie 2. <laughs> like well, his, finger, his fingers are always bent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what was your view on it? I thought that video that was going around online looked pretty bad for him. He seems to, it seemed to be a bit of a raking motion for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going for a gouge, but as soon as you put your hand anywhere near someone's eyes and just the way it happened, it, it looks as if he's trying to get his, his fingers in. So I was thinking he was going to get banned, even if I didn't necessarily agree with it. And... You saw in the match that Nigel Owens asked Nathan Hughes and Wilson what was that about, and if Will, if Hughes felt like he was being gouged, I think he would say, "Look at the screen, I was gouged," and you'd have to take that pretty seriously. So, a bit of a non-event in the end, but I could see him. I thought he might have got a ban. Yeah, Wilson was like laughing as he was getting choked by um, Nathan Hughes, which you know he's obviously not trying to rake someone if he's hopefully if he's laughing at the same time. But yeah, it turns out that he's got. What, a slightly bent fingers? Something, something, an injury that he picked up earlier this year and it's meant that his fingers are bent, so it looked like he was raking, but he wasn't. Well, he was trying to pam. He was trying to pam. It ended up looking like well, fair, fair play, rake. I'm you know, very happy that he's not banned. Yeah. Didn't so. go down very well with one of our followers. No, we did cop a little bit for suggesting we, we just that said, he might have been we guilty. Just said, we didn't say, you know, he's a dirty player. We just said, it looks like he might get a ban. And the response was, oh, get fucked. <laughs> Move over and let the real fans do the talking. Um, you should be outraged, not agreeing with it, both as Scotland fans and rugby fans in general. Yeah. Well, you know, you can't, pl- you can't please everybody, but I think we can all pretty much say we're very happy that Ryan Wilson is not wearing a band because a gouging entry point is, what, like eight weeks? Yeah, well, fingers near the eye area are minimum four weeks. So, so. very happy that he's not got that. So, glad to have Ryan Wilson back. Um, what else has going, been going on in news? Edinburgh have announced the signings of two players, Bagger and Fenton. A 10 and uh, Fenton extending his time at the club, the young hooker. What do you guys think of that business? Yeah, I think it's good. So, Fenton came through this season from Glasgow. He wasn't getting much game time there. Yeah. And it seems as if, obviously, with Ford injured and, and McAnally away, uh, with Scotland, it's sort of hooker's gone between Cochrane and Fenton. And from what I've seen of him, he's he's taken you know, a big step up, taken his chance, and he looks like a pretty handy player. So, yeah, good squad player to have. Still very young as well. So it looks like a good bit of news. Yeah, and then I guess, obviously, with Dunkey Ware and Tovey off at the end of the season, they're sort of bringing in Baggett as cover for Hickey and Vanderbilt. Mm. So, yeah, yeah good yeah. to see what a young 10... Yeah, placed. coming through the club game as well at, at Melrose. Yeah. Um, I th- I've got a feeling I think he might be South African, but sort of brought over, you know, as, as a youngster just to play for Melrose, not any sort of project player, and he's he's done well enough. So I'd like to see him get a few games, see what, see what he's made of. Speaking of South Africans, um, Rich Cockrell's alluded to three other signings that are going to come in before the squad is completed for next year, and the rugby paper, Matt, you were reading this, were speculating that Edinburgh have won the race for... A prop? A prop called Pierre Schumann from the Blue Bulls, who I've never heard of. But it seems there's a few few clubs are in for him from the Premiership. I think Worcester were in for him as well. So, um, yeah, we'll see. South African prop is usually not a bad thing. Usually Apart not. from Ollie Kebble. But Give him time. <laughs> you, can't Give him the, time. you can't be the biggest man in Africa and not in be Africa. a good prop. And best friends with Hugh Jones. And best friends with Hugh Jones. You know, that's got to rub off. Maybe that's somewhere. part of Hugh Jones' deal, though. Yeah. I mean, come on, how do they get him? Like, <laughs> I've got to bring my mate. <laughs> um, other news, Rob Harley is the now the most capped player in Glasgow history, so congratulations to Rob Harley. And he signed a contract. And he signed well. a contract till 2020. Fair play to him. He's a very good club player. Yeah, exactly. Great. Like, genuinely really useful for Glasgow in those games, particularly when the internationals are away. Yeah. And then the one other person, Blade Thompson... Oh, yes. Yes. Has now signed for the Scarlets next season, but supposedly has Scottish grandparents. What a name that is. Blade Thompson. Blade you used Tom- to call, call the Blade in the day. It was more nickname, because <laughs> I bladed through defences. <laughs> you, got, you got christened that at a rugby excellence camp back in the day, I remember it. Yeah, but that Zimbabwean guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was when I was making my transition from 
Puka You're making a transition, mate. To centre, and I used this sort of, what do they call them again? The old rugby summer camps. To rugby excellence. Before yeah. I came back to school oh, to nice. really solidify mm. my role. I was nicknamed the Blade. <laughs> the Blade. <laughs> so this is Blade. This Blade Thompson, right? Yes. <laughs> Blade. Can we go back to <laughs> away from sort of summer camps twenty years ago? Um, Blade Thompson is a Hurricanes player. He's coming over to the Scarlets, and New Zealand Herald say that he may end up playing for Scotland because he's got Scottish grandparents. Fair play. Quite surprised that maybe Scotland haven't been sounding him out. Edinburgh, Murphy, or Glasgow, sorry, but yeah, if he goes to the Scarlets. He's replacing John uh, Barkley essentially down there, so he can pretty much do if he wants to be involved or mm. if we want him to be involved. Let's bring him up. Why the hell not? Um, last bit of final news. This broke about 10 minutes before we came on air. Glasgow have cancelled their match against Ulster at the weekend or postponed it because of the beast from the East. So that's about that. It gives us one last thing to talk about, actually, which is quite good. And, I mean, the Edinburgh game is almost certainly going to be cancelled as well. I mean, the yep. state of Edinburgh is really, really bad. We, yeah. <laughs> we have really, really braved the conditions to get here, guys, so um, you, you should be very welcome. Um, right. <laughs> News done. Should we move on to the, the, big, the big matter at hand? The main course. The main course. Scotland versus England. The first Calcutta Cup victory in a decade. Unbelievable. You guys were both there. What, what was the atmosphere like, first off? It was absolutely incredible. I, I was saying this, that you know, two or three years ago, I never wanted to go to Murrayfield just because I thought the atmosphere was poor and you're maybe unlikely to see a win. But in the last year and a half, I think since you know, Townsend's come in and, and Cotter sort of laid the foundations, I think the atmosphere has completely changed. There's a sense of occasion, uh, it's really big noise, and just a sort of a feeling that Scotland should win more games than they lose there. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was rowdy. It was real rowdy. I'd say it was the best. Actually, the New Zealand game last year was yeah. the best atmosphere I'd been to, and I think that game on Saturday actually topped it. Um, although I did have an English person to my right and an English person to my left who were not enjoying me patting them on the back <laughs> repeatedly <laughs> during the first half, just out of excitement more than yeah, anything. I wasn't yeah. trying to be obnoxious. It's easy to get carried away. Yeah, exactly. Um Talk about the game. Yeah, itself. so you guys saw it firsthand. Let's go into our first Thistle issue. So, what were the key areas in that Scotland victory? Matt, I'm going to come to you first. Why don't you kick us off? I mean, it's hardly novel analysis, but I think the, the breakdown was so important. And I, I think that Scotland set the tone in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, which we knew was going to be crucial as well, um, considering they haven't started well in this tournament so far. But I think once it became clear that Nigel Owen was going to ref it in a certain way that I don't think he was sort of favouring Scotland or anything but he probably would favour a he's probably favouring a fetcher within that and as a result Barkley, Watson, even Wilson, Stuart McAnally as well it's an absolute field day at the breakdown um, which meant we won good possession and whenever it looked like England were sort of had us on the ropes a bit which I think happened a few times we could quell that attack and stop them at source and I just I saw England getting increasingly frustrated in that you know, the fact that you're sending lo like Joe Launchbury to clear a rock and he can't make much of an impact. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's quite damaging. It was quite, it was quite amazing. And the, the stats speak for that. And um, England conceded 13 penalties at the weekend and six of them were for not releasing. Yeah. So if you talk about like a, a massive area, you can't win very, very push to win an international game of rugby with those sort of stats going mm. against you. Mm. And it's that what we've talked about in the last few weeks about what was missing, that Watson and Barkley performance where they absolutely dominate the breakdown, which we didn't see against Wales or France. I mean, it's, it was incredible. I think if you look sort of specifically at Barkley, he's not like an out-and-out -out athlete when you like compare him to like Itoji and Laws. Um, yeah. Or even when you look at like Nathan Hughes in terms of mm. just kind of how much of a uh, sort of dynamic ball carrier he is. But I think what he's always had is he's a very smart player. And I think after the game, he said that they weren't intending to be that competitive at the breakdown. And they actually changed early on because of how Nigel Owens was refing the game. Yeah. And I think that's probably been one of the issues with that England pack is they are absolute beasts, but they're not actually particularly smart players. Mm. Yeah. I can see that. And I think Barkley sort of took advantage of that really, really well. 
I think they just don't have that, particularly in their back row. When you're playing Courtney Laws, who is a second row, um, Nathan Hughes, and well, Rob Shaw's all right over the ball, but he's not in that sort of fetcher role. Rob Shaw literally never makes any. No, steals. he doesn't. He he's doesn't. T- he's terrible, um, and he's been terrible his whole career. <laughs> oh, mate. I'm, I'm standing by it. Um, <laughs> but then when you play three You wanted to drop John Barkley last week. Yeah, mate. <laughs> you wanted Magnus Bradbury. Magnus Bradbury would have done the same job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 do, I do agree that I, that was potentially a bit of a reckless shot. It was the outlier, though. But, you know, you crunched the numbers yourself, Alan. You think that our, our forwards weren't, you know, they aren't, still aren't winning that game line battle. They're not. They're not winning that game line battle. But I guess that's just not what they're picked for. That's the strategy that we've gone for, isn't it? And kind of weirdly, sometimes if you do make that game line advantage, it's almost sometimes easier for the defensive team to get that steal because you get slightly more isolated. Yeah. So I imagine they they've they obviously know they cannot match the England pack mm. up front. The England forwards averagely were making double the amount of yards as the Scottish forwards. But they obviously decided that, you know, we can take them at the breakdown and that's when we can sort of use turnover ball to really sort of make an edge. Mm. Yeah, it was quite an incredible performance. And I think one other key area for me, and it takes us right back to the beginning of the Six Nations when we've been talking about prop crisis, front row crisis. That front row has been fairly solid, scrum time at least. And I think the emergence of Simon Bergen, for one, as you know, a ball carrier around the field looking really dynamic and solid at scrum time. And Stuart McAnally's continued sort of, you know, amazing performances at number two have made that sort of front row really, really solid and a massive part of the game. Yeah, I mean, even Gordon Reid had a pretty good game at the weekend. Yeah, he did. I didn't recognise him because he was wearing a scrum cap. Yeah, yeah, I was like, what has he done all day? And I was like, oh, right, fair enough. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. I think that, I think I said this last week, that whenever we had these sort of props step up or step into the fold and they've had sort of, you know, Simon Bergen, I think when he first capped, had sort of like eight caps for Edinburgh. Even Alan Dell, when he came in, you completely forget about him, you know, five, six caps. They've all done a really good job. Um, and I wonder whether, that, whether that's a coaching thing from um, Dan McFarland as the forwards coach. Yep. He's just sort of can, can identify their strengths and, and make them work really well together as a, as a unit. But it's a nice problem to have in a way. And, it was great. I thought that y- you weren't quite sure how the game was going to turn out, but bring on Nell at that point when the game is tight and still slightly in the balance. Yeah. And he obviously just told, hey, just like run around a bit and scrummage, you, you know, your heart out. And he won that penalty. Just massive lift. I think in the first half, both the forwards and the backs had an absolute stormer. But I actually think in the second half, the backs were actually pretty average. I know they didn't get much ball. But actually, the game was won because the forwards continued that level of performance into the second half. And, you know, look at McAnally, not played much international rugby. The fact that he can play an 80-minute international game and on the 78th minute still be getting a turnover. Especially a hooker, which is like, it's not very common that a hooker plays 80 minutes. scrummaging the whole day as well. And he's still getting around the pitch. Fitness is incredible. I think that whole pack more even though obviously the backs kind of lit up the hi- highlights reels i think that pack were stand out better than scotland backs in the day and that's why we won the game completely agree um going to the back line was that finn russell's best ever performance in the scotland jersey i mean it has to be i mean on the on the particularly in the context of you know two really bad performances in the media and including us sort of getting on his back are we the media yeah we're the media we're the media I mean, I think we were. I think the idea of like the media sort of rounding on him, you know, is fair enough up to a point. But you know, he did have two really terrible games. Yeah, and I think that you know, within that, there is this sense that he's cocky, and that adds to yeah, you know, whether he cares. But I think he is cocky. Yeah, no, of course, he, of course, he is. But you know, that that adds to the the whole kind of story. Yeah, I thought he played extremely well. I thought that you know that wonder pass aside, um, and the flash stuff. I thought there were a few moments where his kicking out of hand was <laughs> couldn't be more different to the France game, for example. Yeah. He was kicking it out in the full. There's one where he took a high ball, rode the tackle, and punted it downfield. Really good yards. Another one he found a really good touch finder. Maybe giving Stuart Hogg the kicks for touch took a little bit of pressure off. But I think he quite likes the pressure, as you, as you saw on the weekend. Yeah. 
I, look, I think he had an absolute awesome game. Um, do you think we learned anything new about Finn Russell? <laughs> no. no. I, I don't actually. I don't think he did things hugely differently from the last two weeks. It's just it came off these times. Maybe we did he learn may, something. Maybe he didn't kick it away as much against England. In fact, I definitely, definitely didn't. His stats tell you that. But you know, the big passes and things like that—they were just most of them were just sticking. Yeah. I think people say, oh, if he, he was doing the same stuff against Wales, it just didn't stick. I actually don't think that's true. I think it was really bad execution and decision-making was part in those games. So I think that he he sort of ironed out that side. I, st- I think you could say that maybe he's added, a, going through this period is a good thing, and he's maybe added a bit more mental strength. And coming off, the, I'm sure he had doubts. You know, he's a human being. But coming into the back of that, it's really nice. Like, <laughs> I really am, like, the best player ever. Yeah. I deserve my <laughs> I deserve my Lamborghini. Yeah. No, I think because his passing is just so good. He's so, so much good. better than Farrell at passing. At everything. I know we've obviously discussed this. Like People bum Farrell for his you passing. You bum Farrell. <laughs> you do. I've said this before. Farrell can close out a game. I like that. About he can him. close out a game, to be fair. Uh, if he was Scottish, we'd all fucking love him. Um, but I think, I think Russell is the best passer of the ball out of the Six Nations tens. In the world? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Maybe not quite. <laughs> I don't think as many players in the world could do that pass. I agree. I, I do agree. think Bowden Barrett could probably do it. Yeah, possibly. Anyway. Anyway. But yes, good. But I still think a key, key, the key things with Russell is we know he's a maverick. He can have great games and bad games. So we want to see him be consistent. And at the same time, he's never really performed away from home for Scotland. Yeah, yeah. there you go. And so I think... Um, Australia and Australia the summer yeah. Slightly different because it's That's a one-off tour. match, isn't it? So much less pressure as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that this week coming against Ireland, if we win in Dublin, that is a far, that's a much bigger win yeah, for this, this squad than the England game. Mm. Yeah. Mean, that's, that's incredible. I mean... One other key area, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on it because there's only so many things you can say, but how good is Hugh Jones? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Like, oh, yeah. Like, how good is Hugh Jones? He was good at everything. The only thing he maybe... He did quite a nice chip at one point. He can kick as well. Yeah, no, no, so he that did. That was a good kick. Yeah. That was a really good I mean, kick. just the it's lines he's cutting, and he, he seems to have that wavelength with with Russell, being the yeah. same wavelength. And his defense was very... I mean, made a, he made a lot of tackles. Thirteen tackles, I think. Yeah, like loads and loads coming down his channel, and just, just the speed. Like to, when he makes that, when he made that break for his second try, and then ha- held off Watson and Brown. That was. J- I was, was, at, I, I was at the bar. I was. Did you miss th- it? It's thirty-seven minutes, and I was like, and because England were at the other end of the field. Oh my god! And I was thinking, I was thinking, this is too much. England are going to score just before half time, and that'll be like a big, like um, psychological <laughs> blow. So I went. I was waiting for beers, and a guy in front of me was doing the same, and he had the game streaming on his phone yeah. and I heard this roar that wasn't actually that loud so I thought England had scored and he was showing it and I thought it was a replay of the first try and then I was like oh my god <laughs> but yeah Is it, it, it's weird that Hugh Jones looks more comfortable at international level than he does at club level <laughs> yeah yeah like Hugh Jones consistently has just looked probably like the standout 13 in the Northern Hemisphere yet hasn't really yet and a been able to transfer that into the, the Pro 14 in European Cup. But yeah, I I still just don't know how he got through that gap for that second try. Because he wasn't really even... He, he didn't even... He had to check his run. It wasn't that good a pass. And it wasn't that good a pass. It was kind of such a bad tackle, though. Oh, God. God. I mean, Hughes is just like, I'm not, <laughs> he not was interested at, he in was doing that. He was absolutely blowing oh, he was five minutes ball in. Bagged, wasn't he? Yeah. I was just going to say a point that probably links to Russell and... Hugh Jones, Pete Horn, and how you thought he played. I didn't think he was... I thought he played very well. But I didn't think he was a standout. But I just wonder if him as a... His kind of style as a player and how he fits in positionally, whether he takes a bit of pressure off Finn and that sort of allows just a bit more um, of a flowing backline rather than if you have someone like Dunbar who maybe isn't much of a yeah of a receiver. I think that's fair. Yeah, I thought Horn had a really... Apart from that kind of screwed up two-on-one oh, two on for yeah. Hamish Watson, so which gutted. probably would have ended in Hugh Jones going in the corner because he would have probably yeah, just shoved yeah, it along. Yeah. Um, 
I thought he just had a really solid game. And I think you're right. Because he is such a good distributor, it just takes that sort of edge off yeah. Russell. Yeah, absolutely. And then into the back three, I mean, I thought all three of them played extremely well. I thought Seymour looked really, really good back to his best and carrying quite well, making a lot of yards. Yeah. And I think Maitland is just a really, really classy player. He's extremely good in defense positionally and he finishes his chances. I think Maitland's really important. Whenever he doesn't play and you sort of try someone, like McGuigan, for example, you think, oh, I kind of wish Maitland was playing. Yeah. Just for that solidity. He doesn't make mistakes. Exactly. Yeah. And he's, he is still good in attack. He's maybe not like, top line speed, but... He's really, really good. And then I actually thought he didn't do much in attack, but in defense, Blair Kingholm when he came on. I made so yeah, many tackles. So yeah, many. he looked absolutely up for it and didn't look out of place at all. What a debut to have. Oh, my Unbelievable. Word. Must be so nervous. I can't remember which one, of, which one of the Edinburgh lads put it on Instagram. It was like an Instagram story of like Blair Kinghorn back at training on Monday morning, and he was just like having a sleep in the corner of the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, corner of the changing room. It was like, big weekend, mate. He's like, absolutely Very dead. fair. Imagine that, having to do your initiation after you've won the Calcutta Cup. I know. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unreal. Just with the Scottish backs, thinking about the difference back to Wales, not one Scottish back did an offload on Saturday. Yeah. No, there were two. Both from forwards. Well, there were only two in the whole game. Two in the whole game from the Scotland team. Oh, my This word. is from ESPN. And they were both from forwards. Wow. And just thinking about how much it's the Scotland great. backs were trying to shovel... Yeah, shit yeah, a little yeah. bit trying and to force it oh, to, th- mm. to think Chris Harris started at 13 against Wales mate Chris Harris ripping off a Newcastle yeah I know I totally tried. <laughs> so <laughs> annoying <laughs> against like Worcester B <laughs> I mean come on um, I mean I d- there's only so much we can say we're on we're in Wednesday now we've seen all the analysis you've read everything you want to say I mean an unbelievable day for Scottish rugby that's all you can really say but can we back it up in two weeks time what should we talk about Ireland now? Let's talk about Ireland. Thistle issue number two. What does that Scotland team need to improve for Ireland? And we're going to try and time this with our adverts. So we're going to do it after this advert, which will be tailored made for your Google search history. So who knows what that's going to be. Don't listen to this out loud okay. at work. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do that. We know what you're up to. Okay. Thistle issue two coming up. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. After the advert. So what does your advert tell you about yourself? We'll leave you to think about that. Um, Thistle issue number two. Right, lads, what does the Scotland team need to improve, if anything, to get a victory on the road in Dublin against Ireland? Alan, I'm coming to you first. I don't know if there's too much they need to improve. I think it's whether they go in with that same game plan of trying to dominate the breakdown and how effective they can be at it. We were just chatting, and obviously Ireland had Omani, Stander and Levy in the back row, which I think is more like-for-like like the England back row than yeah, kind of right. the Scottish back row, which is a bit more kind of lightweight, I'd say a little bit smarter, and is probably a bit better bit better on the ground. And whether they take that same idea of being happy to slightly give up the game line in order to really compete at the, compete at the breakdown, which, you know, it it depends. It feels like it feels like a, a great plan when you're when you get up and head, but not a really great plan when you're having to chase the game a little bit. And um, but no, I think you know I think we've got the team. They they got quite a few injuries. 
few tags, yeah. Furlong's out, Sean O'Brien's out. Farrell's out, no. Farrell's out, Henshaw's obviously out, although get, Ring Rules looks Ring like Rose he might be back. Ring Rules looks like he might be back for 13. Hugh Jones is so much better than Ring Rules. Do you not think? Oh, how no, no, I agree. How good no, is Hugh Jones? We do like Hugh Jones. <laughs> I don't think the Irish back line is that good. I was thinking this earlier today. It's like Keith Earls and Rob Carney. Like, I agree on. about Carney. I think Earls is quite good now. That's it's Murray the, and Sexton as well. That's, that's the key. They just it, it, The thing about Ireland is if they decide to play their kind of power game and get on top of Scotland, which you know we've shown that maybe apart from the England match, that yeah. that is perhaps Scotland's weakness. Then Devin Toner. Yeah, absolutely. Stay <laughs> but uh, well, Ian, Ian Henson's injured as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. So, I mean, no, I think it's a great chance to win. I, I think it's just mental. It's just, you know, Finn Russell was saying he's never played in Dublin before. Yeah. I mean, that that's quite big in itself. I mean, you, you don't, you know, he, he's obviously backs himself as we talked about, but, you know, it's still getting used to that and, and having that experience of these big pressure away games and I think now the pressure is on for Scotland to back it up and Absolutely. I think maybe last week the pressure wasn't really on so much because England were favourites I'm not saying Scotland are favourites but I think it's yeah. it's, a, it's a different sort of mindset they have to go into so t- talked about the touch on the back row there and the slight differences there what do you make of that Finn Russell Johnny Sexton matchup really really different players and Sexton if he's one thing, he is tried and tested in that sort of international pressure cooker. He has delivered. Just look at the game against France, first game in the Six Nations. Like he has got balls the size of mm. balloons. <laughs> that wasn't very good. Yeah, massive, massive balls. <laughs> anyway, um, you know that's a huge difference between the two of them. But how do you think Finn will get on against them? I just I don't know. That's the thing. Yeah, it's so hard to say. You you hope that. After the England match, he's going to be bringing, brimming, brimming full of confidence and he's going to have the, the execution to back up his undoubted ambition and, and desire to play. Maybe it's getting to the point where, you know, Sexton's been around a while, but someone like Russell comes in and does something different. It's, it's sort of his time to, to yep. be the star of the show. I mean, yes. <laughs> it's I, <laughs> thing, I, I don't know this for a fact, but apart from Italy... I don't think we've won away from home in the Six Nations since uh, Ireland in 2010. I think you're right. I think you're right. We've only had oh. six away victories ever in the Six Nations. So it, I just I think the the biggest hurdle for this team is just winning away at home. Um, winning away, winning at away, home. and at winning home. away <laughs> at home. <laughs> so, That'd be nice. <laughs> and I think I think you're right. I think I think Finn Russell is a better natural player than Johnny Sexton. Boom. He is. Johnny Sexton is a great player, but in terms of with the ball in hand and as a runner, he's not as natural a player as Finn Russell. He's a great game manager. Yeah, I, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but the, the worry, the worry is, is that Connor Murray and Johnny Sexton, if that pack does get a bit of four ball, mm. are just so yeah. just effective at racking up points. Yeah. But the thing is, absolutely. if if Scotland keep playing this way like against England, like they tried against Wales. They're effectively like revolutionising the Six Nations because who's won the Six Nations apart from, you know, you go back to the sort of 2003 when England had that team that could chuck the ball around a bit but obviously had a big pack. Since then, it's sort of been the... Wales had a little period. Yeah, possibly, possibly, under Mike Ruddock. Yeah. But since then, it's sort of been power-oriented to teams that play kind of fairly tight test match winning rugby. I think it's quite an interesting dynamic. No, I agree. And I, but I think that's Townsend's decision to push them even further towards the Glasgow style is completely deliberate because yep. we just can't beat them at the power game. Yep. So if we're going to win the Six Nations, we need to take it down that different road. Mm. And I think that will end up with quite a few... Uh, you'll end up with a couple of pumpings <laughs> along the way because it is a high-risk game sure. plan. Well, that's the thing. I, I think when I was talking about, you know, did Finn do that much difference between France and Wales and the England game? I think you're probably right that he did make some better choices in the England game. However, I think as Scotland fans, we're going to have to get used to the fact that one day or one in three or one in five, Finn's going to have a really bad game or somebody's <laughs> going to work him out or he's going to chuck an interception pass. We're just probably going to have to deal with that because there's nobody else and that seems to just be part of his game. 
Yeah, and you don't want to sort of take that away from him. No, as well. it makes it more interesting as well. Yeah, stressful <laughs> but interesting. Very extremely, stressful. extremely stressful. What, what other areas of improvement do you think are there? Or I think the, the one area I thought the scrum was very good. The line out maybe wasn't. It was probably the, the one area that you had a few questions over. I think that's what lost, I think. I think we lost two. Yeah, I mean exactly. It's not that big an issue. Yeah, but I think if we want to be Ireland, you know, in an area that they're traditionally very strong at. You've got to be squeaky clean. Six foot ten, Devon Turner. Yeah, exactly. How the hell were we like winning the mall on Saturday? I just couldn't even understand how that was happening. Yeah. We had such a lighter pack that's not doesn't not used to playing that style of play. I, it's why starting to think Grant Gilchrist is actually super important to that Scotland. He pack. was always in the middle of them because he was in the middle of all of them, and he is kind of way more than Richie Gray loves that kind of gritty mall yeah. round the fringes tackling and it even though as we said we, we don't have the power game at least having something like that gives us that ability to kind of counter the the well, the mall yeah. and I think that really really helped just to stifle England's momentum at the weekend and that, was, that was clearly England's strategy at the start right we're going to mall yeah. them we're going to so every line out even from sort of uh, between the 10 between the Halfway in twenty two, they were they were mauling it, and swiftly realised it wasn't going to work. Yeah, yeah, it was a funny one. Yeah. Okay. So no other areas for improvement, just more of the same. More of the same, and just yeah, just Menta- get mentality. Get it up mentality. them. <laughs> I think getting it up them is what they need to do. <laughs> Let's get another fight in the uh, tunnel on the way. Yeah, in. that is that was great. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So what is it looks like? Obviously, it's now been ruled that there's going to be no discipline from Six Nations, obviously, because England said it was Scotland's fault. Scotland said it was England's fault. Well, did you notice that in the interview after, afterwards, John Barkley was like, oh, I was in the toilet. And then when the, the second views, I mean, he was right there. Yeah. And the, the second camera views came out. So, so it was Ryan, yeah, clo- clo- Ryan Wilson was saying whatever it was to George Ford. And then Owen Farrell sort of steams in and starts a, and starts a little fight. Yeah. I think that's pretty much it. But maybe, it, maybe I don't know, maybe it didn't have that much of an impact, but maybe there was sort of a bit of a, a rattling. So when Farrell had a, a shocker in many senses, yeah, particularly in defence. Missed, missed so many tackles. Oh, yeah. He's missed loads of tackles recently. So how, how bad was Johnny May as well? Just I know we're going back to the England I game. felt quite bad for him. How bad was Johnny May? Yeah. Just think about the Owen Farrell missed tackle, actually. You kind of, for the second try, post, obviously, Finn Russell passing it to Maitland, that opportunity wasn't on. It was McAnally making that break that kind of brought the defence in. So Farrell missing that first up tackle that ended up with them getting that over, overlap on the side. You know, a try should have been disallowed. Why? Because Farrell goes back, tries to turn it, and Watson comes in. Oh, completely neck rolls him. Complete neck roll. Oh, yeah. Oh, like no, a definition neck of a neck roll. Oh, yeah. Neck rolls if really I was on Farrell, I'd be like, can you please take a look at that? Yeah. But anyway. And then, uh, yeah, obviously, Owen Farrell. Uh, Hugh, Hugh Jones was Owen Farrell's man for that. Yeah, it was the lack of communication between the two of them. But, yeah. Right, I've got a quiz. you got a quiz. Let's do it. Scotland, England related. Okay. okay let's do it. Um, right, a nice easy one to open it up with. The viral video that was going around on Saturday night featuring <laughs> Grieg Laidlaw ripping off his shirt and singing O Flower of Scotland with um, Finn Russell included two other Scottish rugby players. Who are they? In the squad? No, just two Scottish yeah, rugby I players. Yeah, I've got <laughs> it. I, know I, thought you, I thought you'd both get them. Yeah. Pre this oh. game, this, this millennium, only five Scottish players have scored points at Murrayfield in the Calcutta Cup. Who are those five players? So since this millennium... Yeah. So since 2000. So Six been, Nations. There's been eight Calcutta Cup games at Murrayfield. <laughs> Only five Scottish players have scored points in those eight games. Wow. Three wins. Three wins. But there you go. So not, I not got including it. Saturday's game. Not including Saturday's game. No, not including Saturday's game. Not including Saturday's game. Okay. And in addition to that, can you tell me the one person who has a drop goal in the Calcutta Cup 
at Murrayfield. The drop goal? Yeah. Whatever, Scot- or Scotland in this millennium? One drop goal this millennium. Scotland or England or Scotland? For Scotland. For Scotland. <laughs> well, you keep calling it Calcutta Cup. The Calcutta Cup? It's Calcutta. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't think it is. <laughs> nah, you're wrong. Calcutta. Um, 2006, Scotland, 18-12 win. I was there. Against England. Bloody great game. Can you name me four of the starting Scotland pack that day? Mate. No? Some big names. Like real big names. And I want starting pack. Because Ross, I'll tell you the bench. Ross Ford, Craig Smith, Nathan Hines, John Petrie, Custer, Gordon Ross, and Simon Webster. Oh, my God. What's up? <laughs> Great names. But, yeah, four of that starting pack. Right, back to the first question. Give me the two lads who were in Why Not VIP Lounge belting out Old Flower of Scotland on Saturday night with Finn Russell and Greg Laidlaw. Um, Adam Hastings and Hugh Jones? Correct. Have the same. Adam Hastings was getting well into the old FU. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He liked that. Right. Pre this match, five Scottish players have scored points in the Calcutta Cup <laughs> this millennium. Who are those five players? I've got Laidlaw. Laidlaw. Three pens in 2016. I also have Laidlaw and how about Chris Patterson? Chris Patterson with circa f- 14 pens in one conversion. I've, I also have Patterson. Going to go Dan Parks. Dan Parks is there as well. I've also got Dan Parks. And the last person to score a try, Simon Daniele. 2004, he got one try. I also have that, and I haven't got a fifth. Are you joking? I haven't, I haven't got a fifth either, but I'll have a guess. Judged on your reaction. Go with it. Sean Lamont? No. <laughs> no, he's no and uh, Duncan Hodge. Duncan Hodge. Yes. Oh, of course. <laughs> 2000, try, conversion, and penalties. And all the points. All oh the points. Lord. And in 2002, he scored the, penalt- the one penalty. Hodge. Oh, nice. Um, out of those five players, who's the only one to get a drop goal? Dan Parks. I'm going Patterson. It's Dan Parks. Oh. <laughs> in that 2006 game. <laughs> what a legend Dan Parks is. <laughs> so I think we're going in 7 all. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven, yeah. Seven all, right. Dave, we'll start with you. Name me four, one of the starting pack from the 2006-18-12 win. Gordon Bullock? Gordon Bullock was not even in the squad. Okay. <laughs> I think I know who the hooker was. Yeah. Um, Fergus Thompson. Fergus Thompson was not even in the squad. <laughs> what? He's beaten them before. I read an interview Maybe in 2008. Damn it. Okay, so not him. Yep. Um, Scott Murray? Scott Murray was not even in the squad. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Scott Murray as well. Oh, this oh, is going extremely well. Uh, Jason White? The Great the White, great white shark, shark was there. Yeah, I've not got that. Um, which, actually, Ali Hogg? Ali Hogg, number eight. Oh, yes. nice, mate. Eight all. What have you got, Hanny? <sighs> I'm going for Chunk. The chunk was not oh, in come the on. squad. Oh, no. Um, I wrote down Simon Taylor. Simon Taylor? Starting at seven? Oh, oh no. Yes. You got, any, got anything else? Um, you got ten, you got five seconds, or the win goes to Dave. You've got the three back row. Scott McLeod. Scott McLeod in the row. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, to take, who, the w- to take the win. Who was he in the row with? Who was um, he in the row? And who was in the front row? Who was in the front Who could have been the hooker? Um, oh, I'm really struggling with with front row. Well, who, who did you have written down? Um, I only had four people written down. So I'm now going off the top of my head for... Well, you, he said Bullock. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I had written down Bullock, Hogg, Scott Murray, and Simon Taylor. Um, and, oh, Christ, I'm really struggling here. I'm Nathan really. Hines? 
Uh, no, bed. I said he was on the bench. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, whoever... I, whoever don't, I don't know. Right. The the other second row was Al Kellock. Okay. Give us oh. a clue for the hooker. Another uh, one. I'll give you the... One of the props was Bruce Douglas. Okay. I'm going to say the hooker. I'm going to say the hooker was Doogie Hall. Oh, Doogie Hall. And the other prop once chucked the pigskin around with Gordon Ross in Leeds. Um... Care. Gavin Kerr. <laughs> How bad is that team? How bad is that for? That front the row front is so bad. The front five is so bad. So is that a draw? Uh, no. Hanny won because of Gavin Kerr. Uh, okay. Sorry, mate. That's okay. I'm I, was over that. I enjoyed that, though. Yeah, no. I, lo- I, I, I love the old Six Nations <laughs> Scotland team. It's like my favourite thing in the world. One of your better quizzes, and it doesn't seem that there's any. There's going to be any um, errors in that that will come out, in, uh, come out in the wash. There really could be. But. <laughs> there's going to be like 20 people that have scored at Murrayfield. Um, right, thanks a lot for that, Alan. Right, Thistle issue number three. Let's do this quite quickly, lads. Are Edinburgh better than Glasgow? Alan, go ahead. No. Matt? Yes. <laughs> wow, this is quite a good, quite a good start. No, so I don't I don't think that. But I mean, what's the point? Both of us saying no. Okay, I want Let to make the case. I think Edinburgh. Edinburgh have got a better forward pack than Glasgow. I agree with that. I will say that much. But Maybe we think about it next year. Yeah, Glas- Glasgow are going to lose Finn Russell. That's pretty massive. Yep. Edinburgh have signed John Barkley, Matt Scott. This hickey guy could be quite good, and they've got a good pack, and. They've come off the back of a a, a, a season that's far exceeded their expectations. Yeah, those are my points. And they'll be at Mini Murrayfield. No, I think you're well, completely right. I think Glasgow need to make a couple of signings, specifically a ten. I still don't think Adam Hastings isn't going to play, isn't good enough at the moment anyway to lead a Champions Cup. Campaign. Exactly, and I don't think Pete Horn and Rui Jackson, whilst have both been very good this season, are good enough tens to lead you through the Champions Cup. And whilst obviously Callum Gibbons has been great, and sort of Matt Ferguson's obviously coming back, there's still something missing from that pack. Um, yeah. I think particularly at the, at the weekend when they went away to Munster, it just seemed as if that just wasn't something sort of that gnarled type of forward, aggressive That's forward a, that they need. a really gnarly sort of second rower to go alongside Johnny Gray. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Cause I think the They've got a lot of players there. You've got kind of Cummings, Swinson, Big Bry. Yeah. I, th- I is, honestly think John Hardy could do a job at Glasgow. Put him in that, that back row of Wilson, Hardy and Matt Ferguson. Mm. I think Hardy just brings you something a and, little bit uh, different. Gibbons. Oh, and, and Gibbons. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Hardy just gives you something yep. a little bit different. He has been, although he obviously had his ban, he's been really good since he came back. Played in a lot of victories as well. And I think he'll have a, I think he'll have a big role for Scotland playing up in the 2019 World Cup. Interesting. Um, you think he'll get back into the national setup? I think he's too good not to. Interesting. Um, interesting. I do, we've obviously got, obviously Bark, we've got Barkley and Watson. But the Jimmy mo- Ritchie. Yeah. He's more of a kind of six, I'd say. Yeah. Hardy's and I think Bradbury out. is as well. I think Hardy is a is a good player to have in that squad, and you'd back him at international level he to do a, to a nails. good job if Watson or Barkley go down. Um, pour some cold water on on my theory, my argument. What Glasgow are top of the league, and Edinburgh are third in their league. It's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that. I mean, what I, I was thinking. <laughs> I, I put this question in because I wanted to get the conversation started. I think the answer for me is no, but next year they could be if Glasgow don't make any changes. I think that Edinburgh squad. I mean, we're miles away from the start of next season, but that Edinburgh squad is already looking very strong, mm. and the percentage gains on individuals within that squad underneath Cockrell, pr- particularly in the pack. Look at McNally at the start of the year. Look at Grant Gilchrist at the start of the year. Look at Simon Bergen at the start of the year compared to now. That's you've got to apportion some of that to Cockerell and the success they're having at Edinburgh. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And maybe when you look at the other side of things, Glasgow, someone like George Horn's probably been the best player, a standout player by far. Yeah, yeah so, so he's clearly come on leaps and bounds under Rennie. You know, obviously Glasgow's still been playing very well, but I find beyond that quite hard to sort of pinpoint guys that have 
it won't happen. George Horn should go to Edinburgh. The one position that Edinburgh should chuck chuck the boat at is nine. Chuck yeah. the boat. Chuck the boat. Push the boat out. Chuck the boat out. Chuck the boat at George Horn. But you know, what I mean, what is the? You've got Ali Price, who's the best nine playing club rugby in Scotland. You've got yep. George Horn, who's already second best and yep. has the potential to possibly even be better than Ali Price. I think so. What is the point in having them both at Glasgow? when Edinburgh are crying out for a world-class nine. With mm. the Dalgo Klein leaving in particular. With yeah. the Dalgo Klein leaving. Yeah. Now, there is a chat about the Kiwi nine. A Kiwi. A Kiwi. Finley Christie. Finley Christie's the lad at the... We don't know if it's Finley Christie. That's what we're speculating. Yeah. And we are speculating wildly. Get Augustine Pulu in from the Blues. Oh. How good would he be? He'd be so good. He'd be so good. Maybe like TJ Perinara. It's fine. But yeah, I say, I think... The Edinburgh have, I think you're completely right, for next season, I think that back line is getting better. It's maybe not got as much subtlety as some back lines. Yeah. But that pack can beat almost any team in Europe. Mm. I just think you need a nine to really make that team. Um, I don't know who there is on the market yeah, to get there. there. And that's why I thought possibly that George Horn might have moved across there, but obviously you've now re-signed him for another year yeah. at Glasgow. Yeah. Whether you move Henry Perger's across, but whether that would make as big an impact. Could be okay. I'm not sure. I suppose you've got another match. You've got the third decider. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, in 1872, so our question might be answered. I think it will be answered by the then, end of the year. Depending on what the I think maybe like. I think maybe my... I, I'm just... I wanted to highlight the, be- the uh, improvements of Edinburgh, but I think if you look back at Glasgow versus Exeter... Where they were pretty much they were within one score for seventy five minutes. That was a pretty decent yeah. sort of top they, level performance by Glasgow. Beat them I think at home as well against Montpellier. They were pretty decent for long periods of that game and sticking in. Mm. But I think it feels that just because Edinburgh have made such improvements that I think they're, it's great that they're going to be probably possibly getting Champions Cup next year. It just feels that it's a really positive thing. It looks likely that Edinburgh will come third. I'd say. So that means the automatic qualification. Automatic qualification for the Champions Cup. Yeah. And will then play probably Munster in the Pro 14 quarterfinals. Away at Tobin Park. Oh, I see. So they play the top of the other. They play second in Glasgow's. The top of each one goes straight through. And then oh, I see. I see. Sort of set other so it'll probably be Leinster. Quarterfinals, yeah. And then, yeah. So if Edinburgh get third, get Champions Cup, probably will lose to Munster away. Yeah. You've got to say, that's a great season for yeah, them. Incredible. Yeah. I think in that final 18-72, I think um, Edinburgh win it. I think they're exactly the sort of team that beats Glasgow. Is it, where is it? I'll put 20 quid on it that Glasgow win. 20 quid? I'll take that right now. I'll shake your hand. Oh. Right <laughs> got a witness. On that. Oh. Got a witness. Um, right, should we call it a day? Call it a day. Let's get back well done, into the beast from the east and get ourselves home safely. Thanks again for joining us, guys. Um, please follow us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. And please get on iTunes five star reviews. It really helps us out. And we will read them out on the show next week. Cheers. Thanks a lot for your time. Cheers. See you guys. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.